Welcome back to the Scrubs Off Duty podcast. I'm your host, Bree Bree the Nurse, and today I have a super exciting guest, Allie on, or the underscore debt-free nurse, and we talk about all things money that nurses should know. So thanks for listening. Let's get started. So I have a super exciting guest on today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Allie. I go by the debt-free nurse on Instagram. I will just give like a little background. Um, I am 34 years old. My birthday was last month. I'm a Scorpio. Um, Happy belated birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I've been a nurse for in January will be eight years, which is wild to me. So yeah. You've kind of worked in a bunch of different areas, right? Where have you worked? Uh, <laughs> I was just on another <laughs> podcast and it took like half the podcast. So I'll try to be really short. Um, so short story. I started out as a new grad on a, they called themselves a step down unit, but they were actually tele unit. I didn't love that. And I moved to the uh, adult ICU six months in and finished my new grad nurse residency in the ICU. It was like a general ICU, um, not specialized or anything. Then met my ex-husband and moved like two hours south of where I'm now living. And I applied to Pete's Pick You and NICU because that's all I ever wanted to do. And I got rejected from all of them. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll just apply to the adult ICU. So I did CCU for a year and somehow landed in CVICU the next year because our hospital was doing renovations and we were floating everywhere. And I really liked the post-op cardiac patients. Um, and we did ECMO and stuff. So I was in CVICU for almost two years. Actually, almost quit nursing. Um, I was dealing with like severe bullying, really bad pre-shift anxiety, just general anxiety at work. Um, I got really tired of taking care of machines because like that's all we were doing. I wasn't really taking care of patients anymore. Um, and I had gone so far away from pediatrics, which is the reason why I went into nursing, that I was like, I'm just, I'm done. Um, and a PICU job opened at my hospital and it was a really small PICU. So I was really nervous to apply because I was like, well, is this really a real PICU? But I was so frustrated with nursing in general. I just applied, got the job. That's when I also started NP school, which I'm not in anymore. Um, and was there for two and a half years. The only reason why I left was because I got separated um, moved to where I'm living now, did pick you for another year. So I did a total of almost four years in pick you and went and travel nursed for like six months, decided I really didn't like travel nursing. And now I'm working in the Pete's cat lab. So I've done about everything. Yeah. So much experience. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, but that just goes to show how awesome nursing is that you can, you know, work in all these different areas, especially if, you know, you said you were struggling in the one, um, place you were at with bullying and anxiety, like moving to somewhere else might, you know, relieve that. Maybe it won't, but, um, but that's really awesome. That's what I love about nursing that you can change all these different specialties. So you mentioned you travel nurse for six months and now you obviously are a staff nurse now. You said, mm -hmm. why did you not like travel nursing? So I think I actually went into travel nursing for the wrong reasons. And this could be like a whole podcast in itself, but I was recently separated and uh, it was during COVID and 
it's something that I'd always wanted to do. I'd always talked about travel nursing, but then I got married and it just wasn't feasible. And so when I got separated, I was like, well, maybe one day I'll do it. And our hospital was implementing like mandatory overtime. And I was only scheduled like my, in the PICU, I was only actually like my FTE was like four shifts a month. So I kind of loved what I was doing because I was doing mostly my business, but then I was being required to pick up more shifts and I, we weren't getting raises. And so everyone was telling me, they're like, oh, you are single. Like you should just go travel. So I actually applied to a couple of places, but the place I really wanted to go to didn't take new travelers. You had to be a traveler for six months. So my goal was like, okay, I'll go do like local travel for six months or somewhere around here and then go, you know, to Colorado. And I was going to go back to my old hospital and that ended up kind of biting me in the butt we don't need to go into details on that one but (laughs) let's just say like it just didn't end up working out which is probably a good thing um and then another local hospital I ended up getting a local travel assignment there and it was like 20 minutes from my house ended up being okay but the week before I started I got moved from PICU to the floor and I'd never done like regular floor nursing before especially in pediatrics and it ended up being a huge blessing because as much as I love PICU I realized I was a lot more burnt out than I had thought um Mm -hmm. so I extended there the money was really good but I also realized that I'm really happy where I'm at I really love where I'm living um I don't really want to work full time forever. I hate working night shift. My body hates working night shift. I was severely anxious, severely depressed. Um, And really the only positive was that I was making so much money. So then I really didn't have to deal with anything else. Everything else was, you know, I traveled a whole bunch, but I also got COVID twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just felt super out of alignment. And really when I feel my best is when I am in alignment with what I'm doing. And I know in the long term, like full-time nursing isn't really for me, um, which is why I had so much resistance to getting this Pete's Cath Lab job. Um, But actually it's ended up being like the best thing ever for me. And I'm the most happy that I've been in nursing in quite a long time. So yeah, those are kind of why I, I think I went into it for the wrong reasons. And then um, I realized that really the only perk for me, I was working every weekend, even though I was only supposed to in my contract work every other weekend. So I was missing out on, on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could travel, but it was like, I was cramming, like I was working then I was traveling and then I was getting sick and then I was like working again and I was tra- like, and it was just really hard for me. And so I think during COVID, a lot of nurses glamorized travel nursing. And while I think it's great for some people, I just don't think it's what everyone wants to do. Yeah. Well, I think it is very glamorized and I think there's a lot of pressure to do it. Like I get asked all the time, where are you going to travel? Are you going to travel? Do you want to travel? And it's, I mean, you know, it's not for everyone. That's for sure. Depending on your living situation. And, you know, there's really, I mean, besides pay and stuff like that, like if you're happy with your hospital and you're supported and you feel, you know, mentally and physically well there, like there's nothing wrong with staying as staff, you know? Mm-mm. So good for you for realizing, you know, that putting yourself first, putting your worth first and realizing, you know, traveling wasn't for you. Thanks. So you work in the cath lab now. Is that, that's four tens, right? 
you work four times. Yes. Now. So that was a huge adjustment. Yeah, I thought I was going to hate I it. I don't think I could do it, but maybe, maybe I could. <laughs> so I will tell you this. It's feast or famine, just like a lot, a lot of other parts of the hospital. Um, this week was, it was a very slow week. Um, we were done by 11, 12 o'clock, three out of the four days of our oh, week. Wow. And so you can either find stuff to do or you can leave if you want to, if it's okay. Like the rooms are stocked. Um, it's really the most flexible job that I've ever had. Um, they're really good about giving you PTO. We have enough staff, like we always have a charge out of staff. Like they're not in our staffing. Um, I get breakfast breaks. I get lunch breaks. So yeah, there are some days like I still have to do calls. So now I'm off orientation and I have about five days of call a month, but one, we actually get paid for it, but two, we very rarely get called Mm -hmm. in. Um, unless it's something that can't wait until the next day. Um, or if we're on call over the weekend, they could say like, Hey, we're planning this for this day. And it's usually on a Friday. Um, so then your rest of your weekend would be good unless, you know, something like major happened, but there's really no, I think the misconception too, is like when people hear cath lab, they think of adults. So like Mm -hmm. the adult cath lab, you have to live 30 minutes away. Mm -hmm. You could get called in at any time of the night, but the peace cath lab is kind of like a hidden gem. Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't do anything emergently unless it's a septostomy. So like, unless we're ballooning the septum. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a baby that they know is going to be born because they follow a lot of these congenital kids like before they're born. And so there's not a lot of like emergent cath lab cases. Um, it, it could happen very rarely, but it, it was, it's definitely a much more flexible job than I've ever had in nursing, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, that's, I was going to say that seems totally different because I'm only familiar really with adult cath lab and I know, you know, all their rules and regulations, especially because ER is normally the one (laughs) calling them in. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, that's really different, but that that sounds super nice. Do you Mm -hmm. feel, so are you like actually in the cath lab or are you more on the like pre or post-op side of it? So you are trained to the three different um, roles in the cath lab. So like we actually, we have a scrub tech, so we don't actually scrub. Um, The three roles we do are RN, which you input like all the pressures and you pick up the patient, drop the patient off, um, give report. And then you have a monitor person who's like snapping the pressures on the heart you are charting all the wires and the catheters that are going in and out of the heart, um, doing the charge sheets. And then the other role is circulator where you're like grabbing all the supplies, you're handing them off, um, but you're actually not sterile. So you're passing Mm -hmm. them to the scrub tech. So orientation was rotating through those three roles. And we also are responsible for our um, holding, which is pre-op and then PACU, which is obviously a PACU. Um, And we actually don't, recover any of the adult congenital patients we just do pediatrics which is really cool so if they're an adult congenital patient they'll go back to adults um if they're an ICU patient they'll go back to the ICU so really you're just recovering patients who are going to be there from one to four hours Mm -hmm. if they're going to go to the floor or go home um so during orientation you don't orient to PACU on my last week I oriented to PACU because I had previous ICU experience Mm -hmm. um and the PACU is really great the only thing is it's a small PACU because we just recover cath patients. So you only have two nurses back there. You usually only have one patient each. Um, but if they're like 
a toddler that's waking up from anesthesia, it could take two of you to be in the room. Um, Or if something wrong happens, it could be. So those are 10-hour shifts also, but they're eight to six, which is really nice. Um, But if you don't have any patients that day, like if you only have ICU patients, you may not have a patient that day. So you just sit back there. So it's a lot more sitting (laughs) than I would have ever thought too. But yeah, it's really cool that we get the option to like rotate between those three roles too, because um, every day could be different. And Mm -hmm. it's not, I didn't get to lose that patient care that I love so much about PICU. Mm -hmm. Um, And you only have them for an hour to three hours versus you know, it could be a couple shifts a week. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And I mean, it doesn't sound like it would ever get boring or repetitive, you know, like it, it sounds really cool. The extra day, how hard of a transition was that? I mean, I know it's technically same. Well, I guess it's four more hours, right? If you do four tens, unless you're working overtime because you do 36. Mm-hmm. Um, but how was it? adding that extra day. So at the beginning, it was rough, especially getting up that early every day because I had working um, as a traveler, I was working all night. So I basically went from six months of nights where I felt horrible, where I was like sleeping in every day and I couldn't get up past not or before nine to having mm-hmm. to get up at like five forty five every day. And I'm kind of, I'm, now I'm kind of getting into my groove. I started at the end of August, but I do feel like that Friday I usually like have to recover. So, but it is really nice having three days off. I usually like take a half a day to like do a reset. So like I do my cleaning, I do my meal prep, and I do feel like if I'm more prepared at the beginning of the week, then my week goes better. Um, but it is really nice getting off at like four or five. So like mm-hmm. if we get done early and I'm done by four, it takes me about 30 minutes to get home. I can like walk the dogs. I can cook dinner if I want to. Um, I can work on my business. Um, I work out sometimes and then pack you days. I can go in late. So I go in at eight. So I will take a CrossFit class or like Tuesdays we have late days too. Tuesdays, we start at usually 8.30 or 9. Um, so mm-hmm. it is, it's super flexible. So I think that has made the adjustment a little bit easier. But it is hard, like, going to work four days, especially because before doing travel nursing, I was only working, like, four shifts a month, maybe six, just depending on mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. But so. Yeah, that's a big change. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the flexibility, you seem to have a really good flexibility. I think it would be nice getting home early and not just, like, eating really quick, showering, and feeling so exhausted and going to bed because I feel like with 12s, that's what it can turn into a lot. Yeah. Um. So that sounds nice that you can actually <laughs> enjoy the rest of your night. And it was nice before daylight savings time because I could get a walk in with my dogs every single night because it was still light. So like mm. now that it gets dark at five, I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter that I get home early because then I just want to go to bed because it's so dark. But I That's still try true. to like That's... put my headlamp on and like go walk them. So yeah, the daylight saving is killing me because I go to yeah. work and it's dark out and I leave and it's, it's dark, dark out and there's no windows. So unless I like wheel a patient out that I'm discharging, I do not see daylight at all for 36 hours a week. Oh my gosh. It's, it's rough, rough out here. <laughs> so the debt-free nurse is your Instagram handle. Tell me why. Welcome to Fuller Butts, a behind-the-scenes plastic surgery podcast. Yes, you heard that right. 
Join your co-hosts, Dr. Sam Fuller and Dr. Dan Butts, board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons on an exclusive full-access pass into the world of plastic surgery. Combining their expertise and training, Doctors Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty and between debunking myths, uncovering truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field, we've got something for everyone. So in, ooh, I'm gonna, I always forget the date. Um, I think it was in 2017. Nope, 2016. I was severely burnt out. I had been a nurse for a year and a half. I could not figure my finance financial crap out. Um, I was working four shifts a week. I was $15,000 in credit card debt. My student loan payments had started. I had driven a car from California to North Carolina uh, that was about to die. <laughs> so I was going to need a new car at some point. Um, and I was sitting at the gas station and... I couldn't even pay for gas. Like I had to use my debit card and pick credit because all my credit cards were maxed out um, and just hope that it wasn't going to like go through. And I was sitting there and I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I do not want to work 30 years and work four shifts a week to feel this broke. Mm -hmm. And so I read, I would say Ramit, but I think his name is actually Ramit. Um, it's, I will teach you to be rich. And that's where I learned like to open a high interest savings account. So I've had a high interest savings account since 2016. So I started saving. I, um, signed up for my hospital's retirement account. I wrote down all of my debts. I created a budget. I was still doing, I was doing CrossFit kind of at the time, but like mostly Olympic weightlifting and my gym membership was like $200 a month. And that was the one thing like I did not want to cut. Um, so I was really aggressive except for paying for that and for, um, food. So like I would go to the farmer's market every week and get the food, you know, that I, that I wanted that was healthy. And so I got really into paying off debt and was following like Dave Ramsey, which I now do not suggest people follow. Um, <laughs> but it was following it to basically a T other than what I teach now is that like there were things that were really important to me that I wasn't willing to cut off. So I paid off $15,000 of credit card debt really quickly, um, probably before 2017. And then in 2017, I got, I got really excited about paying my student loans off. And I had this normal Instagram account before people were like, you know, making Instagram accounts for things. And I started just taking screenshots of my Fed loan account, like as I was making payment. Mm -hmm. And I had friends who were like, Oh my gosh, how are you doing this? And then, um, at the end of 2017, I started following nurses, inspired nurses and met Kat. Um, and in early of 2018, Kat started doing mentorship. And I, that was the time where I was severe, like even more burnt out wanting to quit in CVICU. It's when I started NP school and started in PICU. And I was like, Kat, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to be a nurse anymore. I am frustrated. Um, 
but I need to, I, I need to have enough money to pay, pay off all this like debt that I have been paying off. And she was like, how much debt have you paid off so far? And I told her and she was like, that's not normal. Like that is really great that you did that. Like, you know, how did you do it? And so we like got to talking and she was like, I feel like you have something here. Like you're already posting about it. Um, you, you know, should start helping other people. And so it started out as like, 30 minute calls where I was teaching people how to budget and then how to create debt payoff plans. So I'd like type up all this stuff and like I would charge like it was like $40 or $50 for like these like budget plans or like debt payoff plans. And then people just started sharing and they were like, oh my gosh, Allie's helped me do all this stuff. And then I was like, maybe I should create a course. And so um I was still aggressively paying down my student loans. Um and I had found other ways in addition to like when I was still in CVICU to instead of working overtime, I was doing respite care. So I was finding other ways to make money. And that's what I was putting towards my debt. Um, and I think that's one of the things that like made it much easier. And we can talk about that later. Um, but started doing that, like created this course, which is now my money course. And then I started a mentorship program. And that's kind of when like mentorship programs were starting. Um, and then like in at the beginning of 2019, no, at the end of 2019, I, pay, I had paid off the $46,000 of student loan debt. So it took like a year and a half. Um, and then like everything kind of like, like my Instagram started growing. And then at the beginning of COVID, like early 2020, um, I got on TikTok and started just sharing on TikTok and then grew, grew to like 20,000 followers. And then I got separated and I took a whole year off of TikTok and like wasn't like couldn't show up anymore. And so that was really hard because I feel like I'd be a lot farther along um, on TikTok and Instagram if I would have just kept going and mm -hmm. been consistent. But I just I couldn't keep showing up. I had to like show up for myself. And so that's kind of and then now. Um, right it's kind of evolved into where I want to provide more education instead of like the coaching. Um, and so I'm doing a lot of things now that provide education. So like I'm working with nurse wallet and I'm writing their blog. Um, I have my own blog. I have like a lot of like cheap resources for people and I like try to do a lot more educational content. Um, so that's kind of like how it started and like where it's evolved, like as a business and like what the debt free nurse is. Well, that's so awesome um, that you were able to pay all of that off and then not only, you know, help yourself, but also help so many people and, you know, you know educate people. Because um, I feel like when at least, you know, my generation of new new nurses, um, we don't really know anything about money, you know, unless you took financial classes in high school or college. Most people really don't know what to do. Like I talk to my friends about it all the time. And, you know, they don't have any retirement funds set up or they don't know how to start even touching their debt. And it's stressful. And, you know, you might not even be making that much hourly and not know what to do, not know where to start. So I think it's super important to talk about it and help others. And that's exactly what you're doing. It's so great. Thanks. <laughs> if you had to give like your number one biggest tip for new grad nurses on, you know, what they should do with their money, uh, what would it be? So I just made a TikTok about my top three things that I would have done. Um, but number one would just be to 
learn how to live inside your means. And what that means is to look at what you're making. And I know it's exciting to be a new grad and have this new job. And I overinflated what I was going to be making. I was making $21 an hour, but somehow was thinking that I would be living like I was $21. Yeah. Eight years ago, $21 an hour. That's I like, I have no idea how I could have, how I was living. Like, and that's why I had to work. That's for, crazy. It's why I had to work four shifts a week, and I, I love that people are talking. Side note: I love that like pay transparency is so huge now because before, mm-hmm. like eight years ago, no one was talking about this, and like I vividly remember, even like four years ago, I would pick up in the. ER holding and I was like sitting there writing my budget and I had these older nurses like look at me and they were like what are you doing because it was payday and I was like writing everything down and I was like oh like I'm writing out my budget like I'm paying off my student loans and they're like oh we're gonna live with those forever like why would you ever pay those down and so Mm. it is very cool to start seeing so many more people talking about money because I have felt very comfortable talking about it since I've done my own work and have kind of like broken down that barrier of like, it's rude to talk about money because it's really not, but that's what we're all taught. Um, Mm -hmm. And so doing my own, like reframing my own stories about money, that is something that's really important to me is that we all benefit when we all start talking about money. Because like you said, you feel like you guys are the only generation that doesn't know anything about money. Literally everyone feels that way. That is not uncommon. And so what I think happens is I get really frustrated because on TikTok, they have all these videos glamorizing like what I have been able to do as a nurse or like, you know, what my life looks like as a nurse. And these people are going on these vacations and buying these luxury handbags and doing all this stuff, but they don't talk about how much they make. They don't talk about if they got money from their parents. Because at $21 an hour, you better believe I'm not doing those things. And yeah, I, I see would, some of those and I'm like, we are not making the same money. No. <laughs> There's no way. And so I just get so frustrated because I feel like so many people feel like they're so behind because they see those and they feel like they need to be buying those things. So then they work all this overtime and they get burnt out. And for me, I have always wanted nursing to be a career since I was so burnt out that I have because I like it, not because I have to feel like I have to pick up all this overtime to make this money. And so my biggest tip by saying live within your means is that if you can live off of, if if I could have figured out how to live off that $21 an hour and never work an overtime shift, one, I would not have been burnt out. And two, I would have been able to save with that $21 an hour. And I probably would have paid my student loans off faster and earlier, and I would have been able to invest earlier. I wouldn't have had to wait till I was 28 years old to invest. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that they need all this education when all you have to do is just start. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I like to give this example, and I've given it multiple times of if you feel anxious looking at your bank account, or if you feel anxious about opening a retirement account, or you feel uneducated, or you feel like you need to know more, how did you feel in nursing school when you put in your first IV? You probably were super anxious. You were thinking like you couldn't do it, but you did it. And the more that you keep putting Mm -hmm. in IVs, the better you feel. 
it's any skill that you do. So the more that you look at your bank account, the more that you create that habit of saving, the more that you educate yourself, the more that you, you know, add to your retirement account or your investment account, um, you'll see that benefit and you'll be like, wow, I don't know why I was anxious to begin with, but I think a lot of times our brains only focus on that anxiety and that fear of the unknown. And we get so caught up in that, that we are like, well, this is something I know. I don't really know anything about this over here. So I'm just going to stay here. And that fear keeps mm-hmm. us stuck. And right. we are, you are not alone if you feel like that. Everyone feels like that. And you just have to keep creating that habit. And that's why I love talking about habits and mindset around money. Because so many people talk about budgeting, debt payoff, Um, financial literacy or like any type of like education, but what they are missing is you can have all that education, but if you have not created habits and you don't have the right mindset around money, or you don't, you don't know what your beliefs are about money, or you don't know why you spend, then you're going to keep doing those same things regardless of how much education you have. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, knowing what you spend is a big thing too. Like I, unless you look at, you know, all the things you're just, especially with debit cards and credit cards, like I feel like, you know, you just go to the store or shop online and it's just automatic. You don't even think about it. And then it all, it all adds up. And then you're like, oh wow, I have spent a lot of money, especially with like the holidays and all these sales. I've seen you post a lot about the 48-hour rule or the 24-hour rule with all these all these Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals going on. What is that rule? So I really struggled with impulse spending. And I think it's even harder when we see these hauls. And we have everyone that in under the sun has a like to know it. Um, And it's so easy for us to click that button and add to cart and our cards are attached to those accounts. There's Afterpay, which don't get me started on that. That's just a whole nother. It should not exist. I feel like it's just horrible. Um, But the 24 to 48 hour rule is you put whatever you're going to buy in your cart and you wait for 24 to 48 hours. A lot of times we are searching for that dopamine hit. And I really struggled with this while I was travel nursing because I didn't really have to think about the money because I was making so much. Um, And so I really had to go back and be like, what were the things I was doing before to make me stop impulse spending? Um, And how can I get that dopamine from something else instead of buying things that I really don't need? And so waiting 24 to 48 hours before you hit purchase. like creating an Amazon car or, you know, like adding something to your cart. I did talk about this on a different podcast. Like if it's a limited edition thing or like, you know, it's going to sell out, then maybe prepare. So like there's this peanut butter that everyone at work is obsessed with. It's called Nerdy Nuts. Oh, I've heard of that. And it's like, is it good? I ordered two on Black Friday. I I will let you know. Um, So I'm like a limited edition queen like anything like that is that is my like word that will get me (laughs) and so they had a black friday sale but they also like drop their um different flavors of peanut butter like once Mm -hmm. a week so like i'm not talking about those things but like those should be like planned purchases or like 
money that you set aside that you're like, oh, that's my like non-plan purchase money that like I'm going to set aside $200 for me to be like, okay, if there's something limited or like something that I really want to buy and I don't want to think about, but like everyday purchases or like things that like you are sitting and you're being impulsive about that you know are still going to be there, wait 24 to 48 hours. Another thing that I was listening to a different podcast that I I haven't talked a lot about um, is thinking about each purchase with what would your highest self do? So they gave this example of like, what uh, if you love to get massages? Like, yes, a massage would feel really good. Um, you have the money. Um, you know, I talk a lot about spending in alignment with your values. It might be a value of yours, self-care. Um, but would my highest self pay for the massage or is my highest self trying to pay off debt or save for a house or trying to retire early? Any of those things. So like, which would she do? Would she or he do the massage or would I put a hundred dollars towards my retirement? And you can kind of make that decision. And It's not that you can't buy things, but being smarter about what you're buying and where your money is actually going because you work so, we as nurses work so hard and it pains me to see people kill themselves to buy things Mm. or to, to work all those hours and all of the things that we have to go through and I think it frustrates me the most when people like do those videos that are like, you know, I'm going to my extra shift to go buy all this stuff. Like, and if that's what you want, that's fine. But I feel like we're in an era of nursing where a lot of us are severely burnt out. And that's not what our highest or best selves are really craving. And I think getting a taste of that freedom by paying off my student loans and not carrying any debt anymore has really given me a lot of insight to what I want my nursing career to be like. Yeah. I mean, I think when you think of the big picture, it's totally different. So that rule really helps you because it's not as impulsive. You know, you're like, okay, is this worth it? Is this worth it in my long-term goals? And I think that's probably a mindset change that most of us (laughs) could implement, including myself, because I fall for impulse buys and, you know, I have goals, and in that moment, I don't think about those things. Um, You said, though, dopamine hits. What are some of the other things you do in that moment to get a different dopamine hit besides shopping? So first, I would like to say that I am a reformed shopaholic, so I still love shopping. I still love Mm -hmm. spending money, um, and I still mess up. Uh, there are times where I fall for those Black Friday deals or I don't implement the 48-hour rule or I'm feeling really crappy after a shift and I want to buy something. And so I think that's like a good preface before is like if you're not doing it every time, it, that's okay. That's not mm-hmm. – you don't have to be perfect. And I think a lot of people with money feel like they have to be per- – it's an all or nothing. You either mm-hmm. have to be perfect or you're not doing anything at all. But every habit you create – that's a good habit is going to push you in the right direction and is going to be a benefit in the long run. So when it comes to different things that I've done for dopamine, I will go on a walk. I will play with my dogs. I, um, anything that I can do to like pattern recorrect 
to like when I want to go spend money. So like, say I had a really bad shift, like that was a really big trigger for me or like I was feeling really depressed because I was missing out when I was working nights. So I'd like hop online and like look at stuff or I'd like look at hauls or I'd get on TikTok. Um, so when I was doing that, I'd say, okay, I'm going to pattern recorrect and I'd like get up and go on a walk or I'd go to the library and go get books. Um, or I'd like pull a book that I was reading or I will call a friend. Anything that's going to give you that immediate dopamine hit and kind of make you pattern recorrect is, is really good. Yeah. And I feel like it just redirects your mind. You're, you're not, you're not even thinking about shopping anymore, you know, (laughs) distracts you. That's really helpful because I need to start doing that. Um, I just feel like it's so easy for us to grab our phone and just start mm-hmm. looking. And then the more that we look, the more that we're like, oh, well, I could buy this. Or like, right. this looks really cute. Or like, right. I really need this. And and social media is not helpful with that at all because I feel like half of my TikTok for you page is a haul or, you know, you need to buy this. Like it's all of these products that it's like, oh, I do need to buy this. Like this looks really cool. I should order this right now. And then it's so easy because it's in their Amazon storefront or in their like to know it. And you're like, okay, got it (laughs) on its way. Oh, wait, this looks good too. Let me add that to the cart (laughs) while I'm Uh, at it. You fall into that trap. And then we get all this stuff and then we're like, oh, well, we didn't really use it. Or like I'd fall Mm -hmm. into the trap where like – I would buy all this stuff that was like popular or trendy and then I never wore it. And Mm so for me, what I changed with like clothing buying is what I do is I'll make a list too. That's another thing that I do. So like I have a notes app in my phone of like things that I need to buy or things that I want. So I have a really funny story about a leather jacket. I had a very cheap leather jacket. This was like a year or two ago. And I like really wanted a nice one. And so I had it on that list. And it was during the holidays. And I was like, looking and looking and like, nothing really like popped, popped out or stood out to me for like a cute leather jacket. And I finally like stopped looking. And then I went on ASOS one day. And I was like, Oh, my God, I love this leather jacket. It's so cute. And it ended up being like 75% off. So moral of the story is like, if you create that list, you'll eventually find that item and you'll shop for things that you actually want to buy instead of shopping for things that other people are telling you to buy. And like, I've worn that leather jacket probably like 50 times. Mm -hmm. And so my cost per wear is much lower than Mm -hmm. maybe some of the other things that I would have bought impulsively that are like, oh my God, I need this. And so I think for me, changing that mindset of like, what do I need or what do I want? And buying it because I actually want it or like need it versus buying something because it's on sale or because someone's telling me to buy it. Yeah. I think I need to make a list as well. I'm just like, I'm taking notes here about all these things (laughs) I need to do. (laughs) um, Because that is definitely a thing that I have found myself doing as well. Buying things that, you know, I saw someone else wear, but like doesn't fit into my sense of style, but it's cute. Like I like it on them and I think I would like it on myself, but then I never end up wearing it. But then I don't get rid of it either. That's my problem. It's still in the back of my closet. One day. One day. It's it's gonna happen. (laughs) Never happens. (laughs) Well and then I had so many pieces that I like like you said never wore or wore one time and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like Mm -hmm. and one of the things that 
Remit says is you can afford anything, but you can't afford everything. So Mm -hmm. I think when we try to prioritize everything, so like I'm going to buy the best skincare and do all of the self-care things and buy the best clothes and like buy all the nurse things, I think we get lost and then that's where all our money is going. And so instead of prioritizing maybe one or two things that you really enjoy spending money on, you will either go the, the direction of like what a lot of financial professionals will tell you is to like cut everything out and only save and don't spend money on anything versus you can be flexible and you can be able to do it without sacrificing the things that you love. But you first have to figure out what are those things that you actually really enjoy spending money on and pick one or two things and then allow yourself to be able to spend money. So going back to the little Dave Ramsey dig you mentioned earlier, um, my mom, sorry, mom, she <laughs> fell into the, she, she's a big Dave Ramsey person. Um, so I feel like I, you know, grew up thinking all those things too. And it actually wasn't until TikTok when I would see videos about like, you know, if you find joy getting your daily Starbucks that's okay. Like you can budget that into your life if that's what brings you joy. And you said your gym membership, you know, like that's something that was a non-negotiable for you, you know, that you budget into your life because it brings you joy or, you know, whatever. And I feel like I always grew up thinking the opposite. Like I, I would see videos about, you know, the $5 every day is 35 a week and, you know, calculates the year and like that much is how, you know, and it just like guilts you. But then Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, this is something I, I can budget into my life because that's what I want. You know, (laughs) like that is my one thing that I really enjoy. Um, so I think that's a good mental change because when you're so restrictive, it's just not, not healthy. And it's not sustainable either. So Mm -hmm. just like a diet, So what's funny is I come, like I swim in college, I swim all throughout my whole life. And then I did bodybuilding for a while. Don't ask me about that. Um, (laughs) And then I found a more flexible version of like eating and working out. And now like, I'm much more like in moderation for everything. And so I was like, why is there no like financial education that is more a moderation thing? Because it's just like a diet. If you Mm -hmm. restrict yourself and you say, I'm not going to spend any money, I'm going to go on a no spend month. What do people do the next month? They spend a bunch of money and they're like, crap, now I got to go on another no spend month. And so you never create good financial, (laughs) you never create good financial habits. And that's what, that was the biggest issue I had with that type of mindset and that type of financial education is that they're one it's demonizing debt and not taking into consideration that we all have different backgrounds and everyone had different upbringings and also different situations that led them to make the financial decisions and choices that they made. And a lot of people wouldn't have been able to go to nursing school and to get that job if they didn't take out the student loans. A lot of people had single parents or, you know, like my mom was a single parent and without credit cards, she wouldn't have been able to afford most of the stuff that we wanted to do. And so I think demonizing credit and demonizing people for making the best decisions that they could is something that is lacking in a lot of financial professionals education. And it's why I chose to, I'm actually taking a money trauma certification 
through trauma of money and they talk about all of this stuff a lot and it's really taking that shame out of personal finance and making it more accessible and making everyone feel included instead of feeling like you have to be one certain way and your up your upbringing doesn't matter your beliefs about money don't matter what happened to you or the trauma that was instilled on you that happened with money doesn't matter. And so I think that all the newer education is really helpful because it takes all of that into consideration. That's really cool. I've never heard of a money trauma certification or class. That's really awesome. Um, Is that online? Yeah. So we meet once a week. Um, It was one of my goals of this year was to take that class um, because I wanted more trauma-informed education, especially as I took clients and I worked with people through, so like the first part of my course is all about your relationship with money. And so as I worked with people one-on-one or in the group program about their own relationship with money and the way that they grew up, um, a lot of it I found that like I wasn't prepared to deal with because a lot of like, if you have ADHD, that, that really drives what you do with your money. If you're bipolar, it really drives what you do with your money. And so I didn't feel like I was even with those two things, like there's no way that I am adequate to deal with that. Um, but I wanted, because my own trauma that I've dealt with, like live, growing up with a single parent and going through a divorce, um, those things have changed my relationship with money. And so I wanted to bring light to that and to add that to the stuff that I was already teaching. Um, so just being able to like provide that education, um, And then if I did work with more clients, um, just being able to like help them through that and like make sure I was giving the best education that I could. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really cool. I feel like that's great knowledge to have. And I think a lot of people probably don't even know the trauma that they have behind money. You know, like I don't Mm -hmm. think you even I've never really thought about it, but that's, that's really cool that you're getting that or taking that class. So you're still taking clients? No. So right right now, um, I have a couple one-on-ones that I still work with. And I do like one-off, one-on-one calls, like if people like want to. But most of it is um, the self-paced course. And I do have like a self-paced like uh, money mindset course too that I don't push as much. Um, but that one will have like a lot more money trauma stuff in addition to like the self-paced course. I'm going to add more. Um but that one's just like very basic, like money stuff. And then um, I want to add it more to like the content that I create. So my goal with the debt-free nurse now, because coaching is expensive, um, mm-hmm. in order to make it, because you're you're spending all this time with people, you, because like I was offering like biweekly coaching and um, group coaching calls and um, just like all this support. And so for me, like it was a lot of time and effort. And so it ends up, that you have to charge a lot, but I want to provide more education and I want more nurses to get this knowledge. So like I started working with other brands and, um, I, you know, created more content just like on my own and I'm like having like more like lower offers. So like I have a budget workbook and, um, then I have this other like journal type thing that like you can go through to see like where you're at. So you, it asks you a bunch of questions and like, it kind of like shows you where to go from there. Like, do you need to hire a coach or like, do you, 
need to like open up accounts or like where, how are you doing with your, like gives you like the whole picture. So I started doing more stuff like that because, um, just with working full-time too, it just was, it was getting to be a lot, but then I also like wanted to provide education for basically free to people. Mm -hmm. Easily accessible. Yeah. That's awesome because I feel like, you know, the people that truly need it might not be able to afford coaching. Oh yes. So that's really cool that you give so much information and education to everyone. Um, what is the biggest tip that you have for someone who's trying to start paying off their debt? So definitely create awareness about where your money is going because a lot of times we have that block of like the fear and anxiety, especially if you feel like you're drowning. You don't want to look at it. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you sit down, I like to say that you will take yourself on a date. You can get a glass of wine, sit down, print out all (laughs) your statements, look where your money is going, and then write out all of your debts and look at what the interest rate is because a lot of people don't even know what the interest rate they have for their credit cards are. Um, So really just create that awareness and show yourself that it's not as scary because once you have the awareness, then you can kind of create a plan. Um, but you can't create a plan if you don't know what's going on. Do you do a weekly budget, a monthly budget, daily budget? So I do biweekly because I get paid biweekly. And even when I was getting paid weekly, um, and I think that was the biggest thing, like when I was teaching people too, or like in the course, a lot of people that were nurses were trying to do monthly budgets. And if you don't get paid monthly, you can't, you can't do a monthly budget. You have to like, so biweekly for me, like I'll split up things. And one of the biggest tips I have for biweekly budgeting is to make both of your budgets the same. So don't have all of your big purchases at the beginning of the month, separate Mm -hmm. them out because what you'll do is if you have all your money coming out of one paycheck, you're going to go from feeling like a scarcity mindset to where like, I have no money. I'm so broke. I can't afford anything Mm -hmm. to the next paycheck where you might not have as much coming out. And you're going to be like, Oh my God, I have so much money. And then you'll overspend. Mm -hmm. And so it's better to be more even keeled and to make it more equal on both sides. Um, So definitely look at that. So like I have everyone do like a calendar of like, what are the due dates for everything? Um, And then you can change your payment dates for things. So like if you need to change something for the second paycheck, then do that, but make them equal. Um, if you're going to do a biweekly budget. So you're saying like, if your rent is 1000 budget 500 for each week or biweekly or yes. Or if you have like your rent and you have a car payment and you have like another big ticket, then do your rent on one and then you'd put like your budget and that other big ticket on the other. So then that way you don't have like your rent and car payment and Mm -hmm. this all come out of the first paycheck and feel like you have no money. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I feel like most people probably do it all on the first one. Yep. And then you go through that up and down of like, I have no money. I have all the money. I have no money. I have, And it's just not a good place to be with money. You should feel like you always have enough and it's one of like the affirmations that I like tell a lot of people if they feel like they don't have enough money. It's like, I always have enough money. And that's one way to prove to yourself and show yourself that you do have enough money is if you have a consistent amount coming in and you have a consistent amount going out each paycheck. That's a good way to think about it. You also, I've seen you talk about side hustles a lot, side hustles for nurses. And I know you mentioned uh, respite care earlier. 
What are some of your favorite side hustles that are easy for nurses to do? So first, I like to say, um, because I have like a whole module on like how to create your perfect side hustle. So you have to figure out what you like to do. So um, mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't consider like working extra or like a PRN job as a side hustle, but maybe if it's something that's like a little bit easier or say you want to do like a vaccine clinic, like the vac- COVID vaccine clinic was like the best job I ever had. We got free lunch. It was eight hour shifts. It was outside. We played music. That's nice. Everyone was, it cold, was super though, happy. Or was it warm? <laughs> and there were some days where it was cold, mm-hmm. but they had like heaters and oh, like you nice. were like, but it was just so fun because mm-hmm. we were working with like all the people that we liked. Um, but it was also a 1099 job. So we didn't get any taxes taken out. So then I had to educate everyone that they had to just sa- had to save their 30% for taxes. <laughs> I was like, everybody save your money. <laughs> um, and that annoying friend. Um, But so I think something like that could be beneficial if it's something that's like lower key. So like if you're a pediatric nurse and you want to do home health or um, we have like a hospice, pediatric hospice here um, that you could do like on call overnights. I would definitely consider like that a side hustle. Um, But I think when people say, oh, just like pick up overtime, like I don't really consider that a side hustle. But like even like blogging. So like find something you're really passionate about. Um, I never intended on making this all a business. Like it all just kind of happened. I really just was sharing and I just, so many people didn't feel comfortable talking about money. And I think we're excited that I was talking about money, that it just kind of happened naturally. Um, and I think those are the accounts that I like following. And those are the, the people that I really like to like follow in general. And I just have connected with as like people who have like shared their own story and then people have gravitated towards them. So like, just share, like if, if you have anything that you're passionate about or anything that's happened to you or that makes you unique, um, just share that and connect with people. And I think that's a good way to start a blog. Like I had someone ask on a TikTok, like, how do you start a blog? Or like, how do you become a nurse health coach? Um, I think there's a certification for nurse health coaching. Um, but you could do that on the side. I think that's kind of hard to get into from what I've heard. I know Nurse Fern talks about like remote side hustles. Um, when I first was getting into respite care, Kat was also telling me about, they're called like phone assessments. And so like Kat was doing, from Nurses and Fair Nurses, was doing phone assessments at the time. Um, and you can get paid like a certain amount of money for each phone assessment that you do. So like that's a good side hustle. I've never heard of that. That's interesting. Yeah. So like looking at Indeed, um, the way that I got respite care. So respite care is just like babysitting basically. And like you're kind of just like helping the family out. Like I went grocery shopping with them. I went to appointments and it really didn't feel like a job. So like especially if you're trying to pay off debt or you're trying to save some more money, um, find something that like brings you joy and is exciting and isn't something that's going to be like another like full-time like job that doesn't feel like a job so even like regular like flu shots um like they have the flu shot clinic I think I think I have like three or four TikToks on side hustles and I think I also have two blog posts on them too I think I have like one on nurse specific so like anything nurse specific or like I think I have some friends that do I'm not going to remember the name but like they do like grocery shopping um it's like some app and they like get free grocery um no, it's like, I forget what it's called, but basically like it's the companies will pay you to find stuff and then like you'll get like all of your groceries for free or something. Uh, but you could do like 
stuff like that. You could do DoorDash or Uber. I mean, there's just so much. You could do TikTok, Instagram. Like, if you start doing reels, like, they'll pay you at a certain point. But, yeah, there's just tons. I think that's a, a good way to put it, though, that you should do something that you enjoy. Because, you know, picking up overtime shifts are probably not going to be something that you enjoy. I feel like every overtime shift I've ever picked up is always, like, the worst shift. It's always it's an cursed. unwritten rule. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it is always horrible, not enjoyable, makes you even more burnt out at the end of the day. So finding something else like that, those are all really good options that, I mean, the respite care, like that's, I feel like that's awesome. It was so um, fun. And people don't really talk about And that. I made like good money. I think I made about an extra thousand dollars a month. So I just put that to my debt. And so nice. the other thing is like, yeah, take a percentage of that and use it for fun money, but then take the rest and like really put yourself ahead. So whether that's paying off your debt mm-hmm. or saving or opening a Roth IRA and investing Use that money to get yourself ahead instead of just working more to, you know, spend more. Talking about Roth IRAs, I opened up one probably about a year ago now, but I always heard people talking about them and I like, you know, never really knew how to do it. But for those of you that don't know, it is literally the easiest thing to set up ever. It takes five minutes. Literally five minutes online. And I, you know, did it on my phone. (laughs) No problem. So if you don't have one, highly recommend that. I was always, I just feel like it's so intimidating because like you said, people don't really talk about it. I mean, now people Mm -hmm. are starting to talk about these things more, but I was just like, I've always heard about this, but I don't even know how to do it. What are the steps? But it's so easy. It's so much easier. And like you said earlier, like you just have to start, you know, it's the fear of it, but then it's just gets easier with time. And once you open it to you, you don't have to like, I have like my one-on-one clients just open one. And I even mm-hmm. told a couple of them, like start at $25. Like one, you have, you have to be eligible for a Roth IRA. So always make sure that you're making under the amount. Um, and if you don't know what that is, just Google the amount, like the max that you could be making, um, or talk to like a financial advisor. Um, but it literally takes five minutes. If you, but just be careful too, because the one that I use is what's called a robo advisor. So like, I don't have to pick my stocks. Once I put my money in there, it's good. They kind of pick the stocks in there. Um, but if you use something like Fidelity or something that's not a robo advisor, um, you might have to pick your stock. So make sure that money is invested because I think a lot of people just put money into a Roth IRA and then never invest the money. So you have to make sure it's invested. Mm. But just taking that step to like open it and just make that transfer is huge because you can always go back and change it. So I started out, I think at a hundred dollars a month. And then once my debt was paid down, um, a certain amount then I went to 200 and then I went to 300 and then now I've been maxing them out for two years. Nice. So just figure out what, what you can do at the time and then get to that goal as you can get there. Right. Yeah. You don't have to be contributing the max. You can start. It's not all or nothing yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think this is just that, like this is like one of my favorite episodes because I think Aww. this is stuff that just isn't really talked about much and I think it's so important. I feel like nurses don't know what to do with their money. Like, and you know, you, it's important. You need to know what to do with your money. And I know you talked about Nurse Wallet earlier. Um, I didn't know you were writing blog posts for them. I'll have to go check that yeah, out. Yeah, so I'm writing all their blogs. 
Nice. I didn't know because that. Because I love to punish myself and do 800,000 things. Uh, I'll have to go look at them. Um, but I do really love Nurse Wallet. I think it's a great app. Not sponsored. This isn't sponsored. <laughs> but I think it's a great app for nurses. Um, that There wasn't really, uh, that I know of, an app for you know money and nurses before this. But it's really cool if you haven't heard of it. That's what I started using um, for budgeting and investing. And they also have like... You know, we said that this isn't the best thing to do, but a shift calculator, like how much you'll make with an overtime shift and, you know, what you can put that Mm -hmm. towards. So I think that's a really good way to start. Or do you have any other apps that you recommend for budgeting or do you do everything with your stuff? Um, so I do everything pen and paper, but I did actually download. It's kind of been a huge wake up call because my spending was kind of out of control after I um, was working travel nursing um, because I didn't have to say no to anything. So I was still saving a whole bunch and I was still investing a lot. But Rocket Money was another one that really kind of like made me see how much I was spending. I don't, the apps, like I like Nurse Wallet because it doesn't put it into categories, but like the apps that'll like take all your purchases, it's kind of hard to like realistically see them because it doesn't give you realistic categories. So like for me, I just do pen and paper. And I think that's totally okay. I am a very like minimalist. Like I don't want to think fancy. I don't want to think complicated because I'm not going to do it. And like, if it's confusing and I can't like, if I can't look at it in like five to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and know exactly what's going on, like I'm not going to do it. And so for me, easier, the better. And so for the, this is like a little like too much but it is good like a good reminder I think it's like you it's like pay as as you want um but it's called like rocket money um it used to be called some I think it used to be called like true bill but it'll tell you like if you if there's things that you could get cheaper but that's also a really good reminder is like if you've been with I'm not loyal to any company which is like not good but it's great for my finances because like my car insurance I had for two years and they kept jumping up. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to a different company. And then I saved myself like $50 a month. And then, um, same with, um, what else did I cut? I cut something else out that my Wi-Fi bill every time, like after the year they, you know, they have whatever year promotion and mm-hmm. every time I'm spilling, spilling secrets here, learn this from my mom. <laughs> but every time the year goes up and they raise my rates, I'll I'll call them. Go somewhere else. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to take my business to, you know, whoever. And then guess what? The rate that I had before is magically back and like $50 lower or whatever. So, yep, that's never, so never that settle. Or- <laughs> no, they're either do that or just jump ship and go to a different company. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like, that's something that I did right away to like when I was first trying to like get good with money was to like, to really look at those and be like, where can I actually cut costs? That's not, I'm not going to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so just doing like simple things like that, um, is super easy. Yeah. That is an easy thing, but that's like things you probably don't think about because those are just like your expenses that you know you have to have. Like those aren't, you know, and they're automated. Yeah. 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 And I do love automation, but things like that, that like are automated that make you never think about it again are good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I really don't think about <laughs> a lot of those. Like, I mean, I look at them obviously, but I don't think about them 
that often because it just comes out of my bank account and I don't even I get you statements so I don't even like get the bill in the mail and have to physically look at it so out of sight out of mind sort of thing yeah all right well I've had such a good time talking to you you've taught me so much I'm making so many notes right now about things I need to do and implement into my life and I hope and I'm sure everyone listening to this is doing the same um where can people find you so I'm at the underscore debt-free nurse on Instagram and TikTok. Those are the two places I hang out. And then I do have a website. It's www.savingwithoutsacrifice.com. Um, that's where like all my resources are. My own personal blog um, that is all about money, nursing, everything. Um, and then I also guest blog on Nurse Wallet's blog as well. Um, yeah. All right. Well, make sure you go check Allie out on all of those different places, platforms. Um, Thank you so much for joining and thank you so much for listening.